0: Welcome to Fashion Decipher. My name is Sean Williams, and this episode we'll be speaking to a very good friend of mine. Love her, love her, love her, Miss Corinne Epstein. Hi, Corinne. Hi, Sean.
1: <laughs>
0: How is everything? I'm very happy to be here with you tonight. Yay. Everything's great. That's <laughs> good. And, and you know, for my audience, Corinne is, she has such a detailed background in children's wear. And, you know, we're going to, ex- like, explore, like, the luxury children's wear market. So, Corinne, if you just want to give some of the listeners, like, you know, in- a little intro into who you are and what your background is.
1: So, I, I have always been artistic and creative from, you know, as long back as I could remember. Mm-hmm. And I always loved clothing and I always love children. Those three things have remained constant in my entire life till today. And Sean knows that if she ever sees me near a child, I just absolutely melt. And how how my future uh, started to unfold was when I was 11 and my brother was 13 and we were preparing for my brother's bar mitzvah. I was so frustrated in shopping for a dress as an 11 year old girl in that <laughs> awkward, gawky stage right. with races and skinny and just like not really having a lot to choose from. I actually like went to my room and I started sketching dresses. Oh. Now the, my, I should give you a little background is that growing up, my father worked in the garment center. My father was a blue collar worker and he was a pattern maker grader. He punched a clock, he worked really hard. He was very much, you know, made in America. And my mother also was like creative and she sewed. So she was a big like seamstress person and she actually would make a lot of my clothes and we would do that mother-daughter thing. And sometimes it was cute, sometimes it was a little hokey. So when I presented to my parents what I was looking for in a dress, I walked into where they were in the living room and I gave them these sketches and they both like just freaked out and they went, <laughs> look at this. And to me, it was nothing. I was just trying to express myself, but I had never drawn clothes before. Right. So that sort of parlayed me into feeling that, um, you know, there was a, void of, of like you know clothing for you know i 'm still a child and and just expressing yourself and in, in, in where I was coming from at that age right. and what would make me happy and I just couldn 't find it so that 's how that whole thing began and mm-hmm. my I will say my father could not have been more again my father and my mother could not have been more against what path I chose mm-hmm. because Um, Even back then, um, my father felt like, you know, that this was not a place, it was not a good future. And my mother, who was a secretary by day, would always say, I think you should just take typing so you'll have something to fall back on. <laughs> so that was our biggest joke. So right. um, growing up in Queens, my uh, my, college, um, my college choices were this. Um, get yourself into a city or state school where you could live at home. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of the discussion. Mm-hmm. So although there was a lot of art schools, um, FIT was my savior. Right. So I... Graduated from FIT in 1974. Mm-hmm. and i majored in children's wear it was it was an incredible experience for me i had no social life i just worked really hard all the time and we had no computers and you know we drew like the the, the models with like the 17 heads so they were like really tall and right. and, it, and i and i grew up like um inhaling the magic markers and the rubber cements and it was just it was just like an incredible dream.
0: Right. Now, when
1: I, when I graduated, it was like the time was so different and there was such a need for my craft mm-hmm. and I had choices of jobs. I had jobs waiting for me and I never relented from being in children's wear. I stayed with it for decades. I never tired of it. I loved it and I just became like very well known as a children's wear expert. Hmm. And I'm I'm grateful that I I never even wanted to go into another area.
0: Right, so. right. That's interesting. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know all the stories about your background as, as well as your parents. That's truly interesting, Corinne. Um, <laughs> I I love that, (laughs) especially for me, like coming from a creative uh, standpoint, like I love that. My parents didn't have creative careers. I mean, but they always pushed me in that creative part, but always was like, get a backup job. So I (laughs) I understand that. (laughs) But I wanted to ask you, like how do you feel about the rise of luxury children's wear now? Like so many luxury brands um, like Gucci and Dolce Gabbana and Dior do like children's wear. Like, and I know coming up for me um, in the 80s, like, the the place that you went, and, and I mean, anybody whose parents have shopped in the five boroughs um, or Delancey Street in Manhattan, if you you got, like, Tickle Me was, like, a, a type of brand that you would get from, like, um, Lester's, and my mother used to frequent Lester's, like, on Avenue, I think it's Avenue X and Coney Island Avenue, and that's, mm-hmm. like, where we got all our, like, clothes at the time in the 80s. So, like, what do you think the difference from children's wear then in the 80s and 90s to children's wear now that is all luxury and high end?
1: Well, I truly think that that is the focus of the future. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of reasons for that is that any uh, celebrity it finds it just to be such an easy arena to just step right into, even if they didn't think of it themselves, they have people wanting to approaching them and wanting to market them and capitalize on their fame. And it's just a no brainer. Mm -hmm. And people are uh, especially now how much COVID has taken over us, you know, everything Mm -hmm. that it more and more. I think the day to day clothing is so much less important. Especially, we don't even know what's going on with schools, and a lot of kids are just home. Right. And so, gift giving absolutely mm. the the it's a powerful draw. It's a it's a growing market because celebrity influence. It, it's like a drug, and and uh, the the endorsements and the reality shows and just the um this, the the self purchase. A parent for their child is just trying to um, to show an extension of their wants, of their own wants, and their upscale lifestyle. And it's almost like using your children as like getting like a fancy car. It's right. Like it, and and honestly, that's really that's really what it is. <laughs> it's so, like an
0: extra accessory, but it's your child in a way. Right. It's just like an extension of
1: yourself. And, but, you know, and that's maybe sounding negative, but honestly, you know, one of the reasons why I went into children's wear is because I just felt like if you took anything that was like an adult size and you shrunk it down little, it was automatically adorable. That is it true. Was just, <laughs> so, so if you took something, you know, like, like Gucci or Dol- Dolce & Gabbana or Fendi or, or, you know, Dior or whatever, and, and you just you know in a classy way it just it just becomes so like irresistible and and sought after and and no people don't don't want ordinary they just they'll just hang out like in sweats and then they'll be like oh i have to have like the the outfits for like going somewhere or the pictures Mm -hmm. i truly feel that luxury is going to grow and that the rest of the market is just going to keep shrinking
0: I think that's a great point. I mean, because you know the whole thing with children's wear, like you said, about parents, you know, feel that their children in all areas and aspects, you know, feel that they're an extension of who they are. Um, and you know, so many working professionals have kids later in life, so they, you know, most times they're already established in their fields of of their choice, and they have the the extra money to spend on luxury items. So, like you said, it's like a no brainer if they can afford the Louboutin shoes for themselves why not get the Gucci shoes for the kids, the loafers, you know? So that that totally right. is, is that same aspect. And, you know, you have so many social media starlets, you know, who are in the fields, you know, like Kim Kardashian, you know, her daughter yeah. dressed her, her daughter, Northwest, she dressed her in Balmain, you know? And yeah. even Northwest landed her first solo cover in 2019 for a visual concept right Right. five years old they're talking about like gen z and post-millennials you know born between 1990 and the early 2000s you know so it's it's so funny like how how much this has changed and how much digital marketing has helped the like the many starlets you know in this field how do you feel social media has changed children's wear from your time to now it's it's
1: it's gone from like zero to a million it's (laughs) It's, it's absolutely the, the coverage, the, it's just, it's, it's just unbelievable. Like how many followers you would have on Instagram and celebrity pregnancies are so much in the spotlight and the yeah. expectation of the birth. And then, and then the, how many mothers, you know, celebrity mothers just be like, you know what, I could do a layette line. It would just be like so easy and, or and people are approaching them. So even from before birth, it's like, it's already, there it's the the footprint is just just being um created and the paparazzi it's like every single photograph that's taken is scrutinized and exploited and it just it results in huge huge following and everybody wants that and, 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 you know, where it used to be like, maybe you would have wanted like 10 pairs of old Navy shoes versus like one pair of designer shoes. But now everyone wants one pair of designer shoes Jeez. and forget the old Navy, they could wear flip-flops or something. They don't care.
0: <laughs> and it's, it's so funny because all the way up until this June during uh, quarantine, um, Harper's Bazaar even did an online story about Northwest and, and they listed like all the times Northwest dressed better than you as an adult. <laughs> which is <laughs> hilarious to me but it really shows north like posing with kim or just going about their daily activities and they're kind of like matched up and synced, like you were saying like an extension of who they are what do you think about cardi b's rapper boyfriend uh offset gifting their do- two-year-old daughter a birkin mag which retails for like eight thousand dollars
1: i think that it is insane <laughs> i mean <laughs> it's it's just it's just like media hype it's like but come on, where's this kid going to go from here? It's just, <laughs> I think that that's just, a, it's just a little bit exploiting. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a, it's a little too much. Right. Okay, maybe maybe if it was like her 16th birthday or, or you know, or something like that, but right. not at that age, like, come on. No.
0: <laughs> I mean, some could say, you know, hey, that's a, a start of an investment for her. Because, you know, Birkin bags, they increased in value alone in 2019, like 13%. There's not a lot of luxury items that increase that high. Birkin bags have like a whole set of uh, rules to them. Even like,
1: what happened to little Tyke's toys? It's like, (laughs) you know, it's it's crazy. It is. But
0: I'm sure it boosted sales, you know? Yeah. It's the, it's the hype, social media, it's the, the posting. I mean, even Drake. I don't know if you know that Drake revealed in like a Hollywood Reporter article back in 2017 that he's been collecting Hermes Birkin bags for his future wife, whoever he ends up with. No. And it was like literally like he showed his apartment and condo in Toronto, um, or no, actually his house. Um, and it shows like a sneak peek of the closet that he built for his future wife. And there's like a million Birkin bags in there. All types of leathers and (laughs) all types of things. it's
1: like King Tut's tomb and crazy. That's insane.
0: No, I did not know. It's it's it's, you definitely take a look at that. It's definitely interesting. (laughs) So I will ask this: like, what do you think about so many people who have like eco? They call it eco anxiety around their children. Uh, having so many clothes and having excess clothes that they grow out of so fast. Like, do you believe like there's a good resale market? Like, you know, I know resale markets right now are so big because uh, shops and, you know, yes. stuff of that nature. Do you think there's a good resale market for children's clothes? Yes, I do.
1: As long as they're in good condition.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: absolutely. Hmm. For sure. It's like, it's like those, um, you know, like when you rent uh, a runway, you know, yes. like you want, like, someone could even do that. Like, yes, I absolutely do. Buying clothing like this of this caliber and mm-hmm. treating it well will have resale value.
0: Oh, see, that's good to know. And I think that's a good way. So people don't have to feel like I'm being wasteful or, you know, they feel that they are people who are pro sustainability. You know, they can definitely look into that. They said that that's a, that's a growing field anyway. Um, also too, like, what do you think Corinne about people who believe that, um, children influencers on social media because their parents post them all the time, whether it's on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook, and they do like activities that's beyond the normal. You had talked about like, you know, take toys. Um, what do you feel about them not feeling like children? You know, like they were saying that there's a difference between like children, actors who knew that they were playing make believe, you know, but these children are actually living their lives.
1: Okay. Well, I think there's a difference with children actors because mm-hmm. children actors um, they would have the passion and the drive within themselves. Maybe they have parents who were actors themselves and maybe they push them along a little bit. But if you are really a child actor, it's because you have that burning drive to be a child actor or right. an actor. You're a child and she's going to start that way. But when parents do this, this whole, uh, you know, dream world for a child, to me, it's like, it's like using them as like a pawn. And it's, and it's like, it it scares me a little bit what it's going to be like when they get older, because right. they're, they're so affected. And in a, in a superficial way, it's different mm-hmm. than if you're an actor. because you have talent, but if you're, if your parents are going to dress you up in all this, like, you know, mini couture stuff and, and you're a few years old and then, and then like, where do you go from there? It's It's like living in a fishbowl, right? As they say, Yeah, are you going to be like bulimic because you know, you can't gain an ounce and and you're never going to have like macaroni and cheese in your life. You know, (laughs) it's like, it's like, I think, I think that it's, robbing them of their childhood mm-hmm. when they were ne- never given a, a choice because they don't know the difference right an actor makes a, a conscious choice Decision Like to do you, so you want to be like an ice skater and you want to you know get up and train like five o'clock in the morning like you know you, no parent's going to make a child do that mm-hmm. so th- it, it bothers me a little bit that um that maybe some of these children like like northwest is going to Really, you know, she, it's never going to be enough. If you're mm-hmm. going to be like this on, on a magazine cover at five years old, what are you going
0: to want when you're 15? Right. Kind of like those like, sweet 16 parties they would have on MTV for all the celebrity children. Right. Yeah. And where do you go from there? You know, <laughs> Really?
1: So um, that, that bothers me a little bit. I mean, it could be like really cute
0: um, photo
1: sessions, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, what are you doing to the
0: child? Like every day, like living on Instagram and making posts. Yeah, that, that is about, that's a valid point. You know um, what, I will ask you this though, getting back to your career. Um, what made you after so many years of working with other uh, firms, and I know you worked with like uh, various names of uh you know, fashion houses. Um, what made you strike out on, on your own and what were some of the fashion houses you worked with when you were doing children's clothes?
1: Well, um, I I did a, a long stint with Eyes on Lacoste mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, being a little bit more on the conservative side back then, but in children's wear, like it was much like looser, and it was uh, it was it was a sought after label, and you know, and, and it was very exciting to me because uh, I started with them in the larger children's sizes, and then we kept getting like going lower and lower. My actual uh, you know particular love is more like baby and infant and toddler because again, it's such, it's gift giving, it's grandma bait. It's um, it's just, it's just, everything is just so cute. So um, IZOD was a a great introduction for me because, you know, just being international and, and this, this, the whole traveling and, and I really got into it. So that was more of my like conservative life. Mm -hmm. And then the most funky, Part that I've ever done, as you know well, is that um, my years with Betsy Johnson. Right, you know, that was like a dream come true for me. Betsy Johnson actually was um, was the celebrity uh, guest uh, at the at my. Of FIT graduation and I will never forget how like she showed up in a bunny suit and a baby carriage and <laughs> she was just she was just so Betsy and she's still so Betsy so when uh when the idea came up about maybe doing Betsy Johnson kids clothes which she never did um and then I got to uh you know be part of the meeting and I was with like the head of the Company that I worked for, and then she came with like her lawyer and her business partner, and I had been sent to Europe to uh, to come up with what I what how I envisioned Betsy's children wear to look like, and I gave this presentation. And when I finished giving the presentation, Betsy said, "I will sign an agreement to license my you know myself to Children's Wear only if I can work with Corinne exclusively." Okay. Well, that was that was probably the highlight of my entire career oh, my and gosh. I had other responsibilities at the time like I really was I had like a big business going with with Target with private labels and and I like we kept all that from Betsy that I would fly to Minneapolis every week and but I would work with Betsy like one or two days a week and she was so incredibly you know like fun and creative and but she knew nothing about children's wear so mm-hmm. we together we tried to do mini versions of her iconic prints and, and go through her libraries and, and try to, you know, have that like rock and roll, like, you know, craziness. And to be honest with you, it was incredible fun, but it really, it really didn't work out financially. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it was great PR, but I just guess it just wasn't the right place in time. And, you know, but it was it was just a, a fun experience. What we should have done in retrospect was instead of going for the department stores, we honestly should have like gone to target and did some kind of great uh, great line and I think it would have it would have gone better so um, so you know you learn that there are niches and um, and that in the mass market, it's if you have something that people want, you're going to sell like, you know, narrow and deep, as they always said. And, and that was really where the money was. But from a creative standpoint, working with Betsy was absolutely the best for me. And mm-hmm. it, it was just, it was just like so much fun and right. to just take her ideas and try to call them down into something that, you know, was palatable for children's wear. And I still think like it's, it's viable. It's just a matter of the execution.
0: To getting it done. And it's so funny, you're right, because look how great Target is now with all these like designer collaborations. You know, yes. I think she definitely would have been part of leading the pack outside of Halston and J.C. Penney's way back in the day. Um, if she had decided to do it when you guys were uh, paired together, I, I
1: agree. I agree, but you know we made the wrong choice. Mm, I mean,
0: it happens. But you, like you said, it's still a market for it. But what what made you decide to create your oh, own consulting firm? I'm
1: sorry, we we got I got off on a tangent. No, no it's okay. fine. <laughs> so so it, it's twofold. First of all, um, part of it's personal, but mm-hmm. I'll share that with you so you understand that um, my husband's was sick and passed away in 2008 very Mm -hmm. sadly and 2008 was the crash of life as we knew it and this was happening simultaneously where the Garmin Center was really hit heavy Mm -hmm. and I was now a widow with two young teenagers and while I continue to work it it, my situation was very stressful and I was used to being on a plane every week and having like live in help for my children and having like the support of my husband. And I really didn't have that. So I had to keep scaling back and scaling back, not being able to travel as much, not being available as much, you know, family emergencies. And it, it would just became harder and harder, but I really persevered. And then it got to a point where Uh, the garment center was just getting worse and worse. And, uh, you know, people were cutting back and cutting salaries and, um, and people were just like, not really able to afford what I had been making as like a package because it was a lot of money and it was a lot of expense. And so then it became apparent that it was uh, my expertise was very much wanted but it it was wanted more on a seasonal basis, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, or or a consignment basis, or or a consulting basis. And so, what I was finding was rather than trying to employ myself full time and getting the benefits that I needed for my children and so on, that I found that if I tried to just you know go out on my own because I was I was very well known in children's wear that people were still seeking me out and saying could you come and like critique our line and like we'll like you know we'll pay you for x amount and do it for the season or do this and uh, and so that's that's how it came to be so I needed to you know come up with a name and just be able to do that like you know that was my account told me to do that and and so, Um, I didn't have problems getting, getting situations, um, you know, but it, it, the world had changed and, and, and I just was not going to be able to have, have people like really want me or not want me be able to afford me on a 24 seven kind of situation. So I had to reinvent myself and, and, and it kept getting like, you know harder and harder as time went on as the economy had issues and my personal life you know the needs of my children etc you know had issues and really but i was able to keep this going like for years and even uh even just doing phone conversations mm-hmm. uh, and just people picking my brain and paying me an awful lot of money like per hour it was uh it it, it just worked So it wasn't anything that I had ever wanted. If you, you know, it wasn't like I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I did it to keep a roof over my kids' heads and to just keep myself going and hoping that life was going to change. And unfortunately, um, I just saw a decline and keep seeing more of a decline, decline in the garment center and COVID, I just think is like the last like nail in the coffin.
0: Yeah. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, I will say this to your situation. I mean, life has a way of always doing that, just turning everything upside down. Uh, But it also shows how strong you are. I mean, I know a lot of times people say there's strength in the struggle, but sometimes I don't want to (laughs) struggle. And I understand though. It's good. I mean, you do see your, uh, you know abilities. You know when you come out from the other side of that. But I will say, like you did mention, the garment district, you know, decline. Like, what do you think about it? I mean, coming from someone who went to FIT as well as I did, um, you know, like working in the garment district. You know, what do you think about it not being a hub? I know. Um, The mayor, now de Blasio, made plans to move most of it to Red Hook, Brooklyn. But I know a lot of critics felt that it kind of disperses it. The whole point of the garment district is because it was a centralized hub that you can walk you know, to several different uh, areas, like mood fabrics and, you know, different points <laughs> of as reference. And also you would like, you know, go down the street and you would see like the guys pushing the rolling racks of clothes. It's just what you've seen in that area. Like, what do you think about them breaking it up the way that they are?
1: Well, I think it's very sad mm-hmm. uh, related to Um, if, if someone decided, you know what, we're going to take the diamond district on 47th street and we're going to break it up and put it all different places, it's going to lose its impact and, and it's notoriety. And, and that's the same thing that's to me at the Garmin center. Mm -hmm. It was those blocks and I'd been in it, you know, for so many decades and, and it was just like, that's what we, that's what we were, you know, it, it was, it was just the, the 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 trimming stores and the sample sales and the, and I, and I would wheel those rolling racks myself and, you know, from the showroom to the, to the warehouse, or, you know, I would be going like fabric shopping and, and going from, um, from fabric house to fabric house with swatches and being excited and, and, and going button shopping. And it was just, Everything was right there, and especially in children's wear, there were those couple of blocks, like one twelve West Thirty Fourth Street, and then there was the Children's Wear Center. And I spent like, I spent decades on, like working on one block, and mm. and you know when I walk down the street, and even now, it's just like you you just you could just feel it, and I'm sad, I'm very sad, but I'm very thankful that I was there to ride the wave and, and just have all that experience, you know, good or bad that will never be again. And I I look at it like, you know, when we used to have cameras that were that you would, we'd have to go buy film and put the film in and take pictures and then bring the film to be developed. And all that is so obsolete. And now it, this whole, everything is just changing. So many aspects of the world are changing, and, and there's I don't care what you want to do in red, you know, book. it's like it's not going to be the same, right. it's, you know, no matter what you do. And people are leaving Manhattan and trying to resituate themselves in boroughs, and it's just it's just destroying the mecca of like let's say you're a buyer and you want to go and you want to go to a bunch of different showrooms in one day you you can't do that it just destroys the whole fabric no pun of like what the garment center like was and should be
0: right right i mean also too like that also ties to what you're saying about you know being a centralized uh place for um the garment district also too what do you feel about like the fashion shows you know by it not having a centralized place because it was no longer in bryant park then it was moved to lincoln center then it wasn't there anymore then it was like spread all over the city like you can go to like half those in like west side highway um and then there was another portion of it in midtown it was not like a centralized place anymore you think that lost its magic too it
1: totally Mm -hmm. totally the the thrill of going to those fashion shows or to be invited to get a ticket and to just feel all the excitement in the air and the paparazzi and like what are you going to wear and what are going to be the the gift takeaways and who are you going to see it it was just i loved brian park that Mm -hmm. was that was fantastic so um it's it's sad Again, it's just like a dying art, like so many things are dying. And I don't know how this will ever, you know, be able to be
0: revitalized. Right. So yeah, with that being said, like, Corinne, where do you think that Children's Wear will be going in the future? Just, you know, even with everything like you were mentioning between COVID, between the moving of the garment district, between the way fashion shows are presented. I mean, also, there's a large portion of them being uh, presented in downtown LA. That's like a whole nother story, though. Um, But where do you think that Children's Wear is going? Like, where do you see it going? Even if it's just digital, where do you think that it might be going in the future? Well,
1: I think it's going to get more and more luxury mm-hmm. and uh, and celebrity, uh, you know, um, identified. And that's going to be the main focus. I think that that is what people are going to find, like as their happy thing, and they're gonna see it on Instagram, or they're gonna you know see it in a magazine. And that's what people are going to want. I, I as far as, um, you know, shopping, there's gonna be much less shopping in stores. You know, you mentioned Denny's. Uh, yeah, like in Lester, I think you mentioned Lester's. Lester's, yeah. But like those stores and all that, I used to go like on Madison Avenue and like start up in the nineties. I think it was Wicker Garden and nine ninety sixth street and I would go all the way down Madison Avenue, you know, for like, you know, miles and there'd be like a million children's wear stores and very upscale. And like if you go there now, it's like a ghost town. It is. So it's it's very to me, it's very sad and um, I I just don't see people shopping in stores, so it's gonna be online and again, it's just gonna be a very big celebrity slash luxury draw because that's what's gonna get people's attention. If you wanna, you know, buy like T shirts and leggings. Uh, you know you're going to have like so much competition and it's going to be so hard to even figure out something so i just really feel people are going to gravitate to something that really catches their eye and feels you know feels like oh i, I would love to own that it it just it speaks to me because they can relate to it
0: right in a way that you, pro- you but you do miss the experience of actually shopping but you're shopping visually um, on your phone before actually going, like you were saying, like going to every single store and like creating right. an experience. It's like a different way. It's totally different.
1: Right. Yeah. In, in so many areas, not just children's wear, but I think that children are not going to half the places that they used to go to probably mm-hmm. more than half the places. And I don't know when that's going to change. Right. So, I mean, like, like I'll just, pull out like of my head like sleepaway camp. Mm -hmm. Sleepaway camp is a huge business um, for clothing and accessories Uh, it's just massive you know I went through it myself with my own kids and there's no sleepaway camps right now so Mm -hmm. all that is like out the window Um, college dorms you know things even it's still you know within the realm of children's wear and how many colleges are even having kids in the dorms so I, I just feel like kids or you know they're they're gonna they're home a lot more and mm-hmm. parents are just not gonna really want to be spending money on clothes when no one's gonna really see their kids they might right. not even go to school so i just feel like it's the upscale things that are going to get people's attention and, and to grab them to ordinary. make them buy right right
0: right yeah. I definitely, and I, I really do appreciate, Corinne, that you took the time to speak with us. If people wanted to hire you for your consulting firm, how would they get in touch with you? Do you have some sort of email or website or anything that they can kind of contact you? Any of our listeners who's, who have, is starting like a children's web brand and they need to hire a consulting a consultant, would you be able to you know, give any information for them to find you?
1: Well, the only thing that I have up is my LinkedIn page mm-hmm. and I have really not been proactive, you know, in the past bunch of years at in, in this at all, it's still very much a love of mine. And uh, I, in a heartbeat, I wish I could go back in time and just get right on that long Island railroad and get out on 34th street or 33rd street and just be able to have that world again. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I only have the LinkedIn page because I don't really have a lot going on, but mm-hmm. I still am very much I still very much consider myself a, a children's wear queen, and um, and uh, I I do you know I do have a, you know a reputation, and it's still there's still a lot of people that I've worked with that um, I still keep in touch with, but I just I'm not being you know I'm not really being very active right now.
0: Okay. So if they did want to find you, they can definitely find you on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Her name is Corinne Epstein. They can inbox you. So if they have any questions, they can do that. Um, and I want to say thank you again, Corinne. Um, I really appreciate you being on Fashion Decipher. It's my pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Corinne. You're welcome. Bye. Hi guys, it's Sean. Make sure you visit our website, FashionDecipher.com, to get a visual on what we're talking to you about. Check out pics from events, of guest speakers, and exhibits. If you miss anything we post, you can visit our archives page. Also, while you're there, hit that subscribe button. Leave your email, and if you like, a comment. Tell us what you think or what you would want to hear on an upcoming episode. Don't forget to follow and friend Fashion Decipher on social media. Check out what we're up to. Speak with you next week.